I'm going to talk about the four foundations of mindfulness. Because it's always good to, I think, reflect on it I, I, and look back on it. And I'm just always so impressed by this teaching, by the sutta, the, 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 the logic of it and the, the, the beautiful way the different foundations flow from one to the next to the next and they build on each other. And it's also said that you can just hang out in one or the other of them and that's fine. You don't have to move from one to the other. You can, you can reach enlightenment just by hanging out in, um, in one. And I heard a phrase recently talking about, or somebody was talking about how, uh, oh, it's Bonnie Duran, some of you know her. She's um, a friend of mine, she's a Dharma teacher. And she was talking about um, we are in a state of perpetual distortion. Um, our mind is perpetually distorted. We're not quite, it's, it's just our view of things is obviously conditioned by our experience, but it's just a little bit off. And I was reading something, I started reading an article by this woman, Sarah Kinzior, I know some of you may know her, she's a journalist from Missouri, and she uh, got her PhD in authoritarian states. So she's been on the, for since 2015-16 going, this is what's going to happen, this is how it's going to unfold, and you need to do X, Y, and Z. And now she's like, you know, kids, it might be a little late, because all these things that she's predicted have happened. But now she, this article, which I, I barely got a paragraph in before I had to put it down, but it was just talking about especially distorted states that we're in today because they're intentionally distorted. It's not just moving about because of our, our conditioning and how we kind of want to see the world, but people are actually moving us in a particular direction. Like you actually have to, this is propaganda. I mean, age old propaganda, but really sophisticated propaganda. And when I was young, um, the, the button that I still have was question authority, you know, and it's still question. And the Buddha said it, don't believe it just because I say it. Find out for yourself what works. And so, and if it relieves your suffering or, or not, and do it if it does. And so, how do you get out of this state of perpetual distortion? And this is the Eightfold Path, you know? I mean, Plato wrote about it in his, um, his myth of the cave, where you're in a cave and all you see, you're, you're facing the back of the cave and all you see are the shadows on the wall from the outside of the cave and you're, that's that, that's that, and then you turn around and go, oh. Or you, or you get up in the middle of the light at night and you see a rat on the floor and you freak out and then you turn on the light and it's a sock. You know, all those things that we think we, and then we develop huge mythologies about it. Huge mythologies. And I'm going on a retreat tomorrow, and then you've been on retreat where you hear about Vipassana romance and Vipassana vendetta. You know what that is? When you have, you, you pick somebody on the retreat that is the chosen one for you, and you're going to live happily ever after and leave your current partner and move to wherever they are, and then you meet them after, and you're like, what? <laughs> You're, you don't know. You're from. You're, you're not from there. You're from there. You don't. You 
voice is different from that. And so, but we, it's just wonderful to see how the mind has, is so powerful and cre can create these scenarios. And we get caught in this greed and this delusion and this, this hatred, this aversion and this wanting and this not wanting and then just totally being um, um, out, of, out of touch with whatever's going on. And this sutta, the Satipatthana Sutta, the Foundations of Mindfulness, in this one in the Majjhima Nikaya, this is where the Buddha says, monks, this is the direct path for the purification of beings, for the surmounting of sorrow and lamentation, for the disappearance of dukkha and discontent, for, for acquiring the true method, for the realization of Nibbana. This is the, the four Satipatthanas, the four foundations, are the way to do this. This is it. This is, this is, this is it. And um, so I just like to reflect on these every once in a while and, and kind of do a check-in on myself of where I am on these. And because and, sometimes we're, I find that you're more kind of landing in one or the other. They have different meanings at different times. Like, um, and in the first, the first foundation is uh, the breath and body awareness, where we're aware of the body and its um, fragility and its impermanence, and then we get really intimate with the body about recognizing what it is, like the 32 parts of it, the skin and the hair and the teeth and the blood and the pus and the urine and all the yummy things. And then we there's there's invitation to reflect on the disintegration of the body. You've probably done that this year. You know, the, the, the go meditate. I always like to go to when I do a year to live. I always go out to Hollywood forever and wander around the cemetery. That's always a, a good thing to see come face to face with our mortality, so that we learn to really to recognize that we are. Um, we're not our minds. We're, we're, we're creatures of the world. We're creatures of the world. We're no different. We can elevate ourselves through our thinking, but to really contemplate and reflect on that mortality and that just the physical nature and the fragility of the body. You know, you can break something like that. It's really extraordinary how, um, how easy it is. Sometimes our minds tell us we're kind of immortal. I don't know if you ever have that, but I have that. And I think it's the, the, the you know, the mind has these tendencies to go in different directions and, and um, invincibility. I think it, it kind of diminishes as you age, but, you know, when you're a teenager or young, you're bulletproof. I still think I am in certain ways, and I have these little, if I can do this, then I'm good. You know, these comparing and judging things, but to really connect with the the, uh, the humanity of our experience, and to when we do that and come into that experience of the body, to it opens up a whole world of knowledge. In fact, the Buddha says, "In this fathom long body, we will know everything." You know, we, we can become enlightened by just everything. All the answers are right here if we pay attention. If you start connecting to what's going on. 
I, uh, I was on this board of directors for many years, and we just had a bunch of new um, people come in, and I'm like, I don't want to go, I don't want to reinvent the wheel again, but I'll, I'll, I'm game, I'll hang in. And then all these emails started going back and forth, and I had this visceral experience of the wheel is being reinvented, and I can't hang out anymore. I can't hang out anymore. And to allow that wisdom, when you really connect to the body and kind of let the mind and the fixed views dissipate, you have this wisdom that arises. But unless you're connected to it, you're not going to be able to access it. Unless you're attuned to this human, this human vessel, it's going to go right by. I, 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 I hear that over and over and over again. I mean, that's traumas in the body. You know? The body keeps the score. That great book talking about really paying attention to that. And I know you've all had visceral experiences. Um, I was at the dentist the other day. Thursday, I went to the dentist. I, I went, to start, went to a new dentist a few weeks ago, and she said, okay, you have some cavities, so I want you to come in. And I'm like, okay. I didn't realize I'd be there for four hours. <laughs> and right before I got to the dentist's office, on my way driving over, I had this, and I was, I was taking a drink of water, and as I was taking a drink of water, I dropped it. And so I spilled the water all over my crotch. So the entire time I was at the dentist's office, I had soggy jeans and soggy, soggy underwear. So it was really pleasant. And um, I was really attuned because he was giving me the anesthetic, and I could just be with it and feel it. First you feel the numbing, and then you feel it going down into the body. And he was giving me a lot. He knew I had a lot of pain. They did five cavities and four teeth. They were all in the back. So really being attuned, and then after being there for like three hours, you start getting antsy. And watching the mind, I mean, at first I was able to just be, but then the mind starts creating the time, you should be out of here. It should, it should start showing up. And, and then there's the, the agitation that comes along. And, and, you know, as, um, I think that you can really connect with that if you're paying attention when you're meditating. If you're, if you're present and calm and then all of a sudden you get somewhere, like you run off into the future or some, some memory comes up and you're lost in that, when you recognize that you're lost, when you come back, pay attention because you can distinguish, you can discern a real shift in the, in the body. Perhaps it's gotten agitated, perhaps your shoulders have tensed up, perhaps, perhaps you've locked your jaw or you're, you've tightened your fist if it's an agitating kind of experience. If you learn to pay attention to that, you can say, oh, you may not be cognizant of it, but your body is in it, your body's reacting. And so to learn to connect to that and maybe go, oh, wow. What's happening here? Why, why is the jaw so tight? Why are my fists clenched? What's, what's going on? Because if we're you know, just lost in that delusion of the mind or the, in, the, in the craving or the aversion, we're not paying attention, but the mind can tip us off. I mean, excuse me, the body can tip us off. So to really connect with that, um, the body. And then, um, Recognizing also, and then the breath is also part of the uh, the uh, 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 
first foundation. You know, it's it's right here, right now. The breathing, the breathing, just staying present. It's, it's the it's an anchor to right here, right now, and and it's also part of the body. The body breathes. The body breathes. It's a way to right here, right now. It's um. It's said that this, this foundation is the best one for integrating experience into, in daily life, into daily life, because you, you, um, you want to learn to feel rather than think. To really, you know, that's where you get connected to your intuitive wisdom, by learning to connect to this physical experience. Um, you know when you, you do dyads sometimes, or... or um, interchanges, especially in a retreat setting or in a workshop setting, and they say, listen with 80% in your body and only 20% with your ears. Receive the experience of hearing rather than going out and being all active in your mind. That's part of this whole teaching around really integrating what you're experiencing into your body. It takes practice takes practice. Body scans are really great for working with this. They're really great for helping you connect to the physical experience. If you're if you're feeling cut off from it, you know, find some body scans and, and listen to that. It's really helpful. Any questions or thoughts going through this? I don't know for a second before but I do find myself lost and I bring myself back to press. You know, I, I really, I don't, you know, I don't think about where I'm coming back from. I just want to get back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to think about what I'm feeling back where you are. Just not, just not get away from it. Just kind of see where you are. Mm -hmm. and just be there. Yeah, that's, that's how you begin to cultivate the, the seeing clearly mm -hmm. Bit of wisdom going on. And you're just trying to put, put things together. Oh, this is what's going on. So, which, which takes you into the second foundation, which is so important. So important. Feeling tone, data, which is recognizing whether your experience is pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. Because that's really unconscious or subconscious, because we're, we're, we're reacting before we're conscious. The tendency is unpleasant. Push away, make it stop. Pleasant, more, more. Do it again, continue, don't stop. And neutral, you're just kind of like, where the hell am I? What is going on? I have no idea. It's that, how did I get here? Who are these people? <laughs> so, um, how did I get home? <laughs> you know, driving, and it's like, I'm home already? What? So Vedana is so important, it drives everything. Um, it activates our underlying tendencies towards greed, hatred, and delusion. Like I said, it activates it. Unpleasant, it can activate the underlying tendency towards that, that, um, that uh, characteristic. That, um, excuse me, the three poisons, the three, um, the three, the greed, hatred, and delusion. It, it'll, it'll, it'll send us in that direction if we're not paying attention. Um, if it's pleasant, it can trigger craving and chasing, wanting more. Unpleasant triggers aversion. And um, neutral 
is ignorance and it also can it's also sometimes felt as boredom especially in our in our culture our society where people downtime is like um well you should be doing something you know but really doing nothing is actually quite wise there was a commercial a radio commercial maybe 30 years ago and it was for the national guard and these two guys were talking and saying you know we used to have a problem with our weekends they were two days too long <laughs> and then we joined the national guard and now we're not bored anymore and I'm like, oh, man <laughs> i don't know if i've ever had that problem i did when i was a kid there was a lot of boredom but then i also had a very very dysfunctional awful kind of childhood i didn't realize it at the time but um it wasn't working well for me and uh but i was bored a lot then but and i think kids are different anyway but so if you if you find yourself just kind of wanting to stir stuff up because we would prefer i think a lot of times people prefer even unpleasant to neither because it's something you know obviously some movies they say that's how you know you're alive if it hurts then you know you're alive it's like it's okay i know i'm alive i don't need to hurt so to pay attention is to really this mindfulness is the foundation of everything if you look at all these teachings it's like how do you get there mindfulness if you don't if you're not paying attention you're not going to get any of this stuff all bets are off if you're not paying attention so recognizing what activates these tendencies towards aversion towards craving oh that's unpleasant and it doesn't have to be grandiose it can be just the simplest thing which is why in practice in meditation we invite you to sit through discomfort because the tendency is to make it better the tendency I'm going to shift my glasses you know pull up my sleeve you know there's some minor sense of discomfort or boredom that heads me into a direction of doing something about it when it's not even necessary and if you're able to sit still you'll find often that you don't need to excuse me you don't need to do anything because things shift on their own things shift on their own a lot of times sometimes they don't i mean somebody i know said they have never in all their years of meditating ever experienced this itch that stopped itching they always had an itch but um you know sometimes it does or with physical discomfort it moves around pain moves around so to really make the effort to be with what is be with the pleasant be with the unpleasant be with the neutral what does bored what is boredom like you know if you're bored you're missing the life that takes birth of each breath Now, what is this what's happening right now it's an expansion of your world when you're paying attention instead of a we're so focused on particular outcomes and particular experiences but when you let go of those and you can just be with right here right now there's a whole world that opens up what's happening right now it takes effort it takes practice um, 
yeah, mindfulness breaks that reactivity. And again, if anybody has any questions, comments, thoughts. I'm just thinking, there was this study where they like um, had people basically just do nothing and be bored, and but they gave them like a shock button. But they said, you, we will charge you for every time that you mm. press the shock button. Does anyone hear this? Vaguely remember it, yeah. And, and people get so bored that they're willing to pay money. That's how much they can't stand it. I believe it. Yeah, well, these people joined the National Guard. They were so <laughs> bored. I was like, really? Or the Army Reserve. I wanted to, you know, it was like something like that. But yeah. Because boredom are bad, we're bad That's And then the third foundation is when you start getting into feelings, emotions, and mind states, you know? Noting what's present. And then this is, this is again, paying attention. If there's greed, if there's um, lust, if there's anger, what's present if, there's, if it's not there? Mm -hmm. Just paying attention. This is when that... Um, you know, when noting if you're contracted or distracted, um, what's what's present? Jealousy, all those emotions that are there, those feelings, not the feeling tone we made in a pleasant or unpleasant. But what's what's arising? It's and this is where the body, you know, that that work you've done with connection with the body is so helpful because a lot of times you feel these emotions without even being conscious of them. And then they may be unpleasant and you react. And so that's why I, I, I see the wisdom of how these foundations build on each other. And so you want to really, really be aware of what's happening. There's this story of, and I can't remember who it is. I read, I think I read it in one of Jack Kornfield's books, maybe The Wise Heart. Talks about this old monk who had, was developing dementia and he was at the, um, it was, he was giving a public lecture or they brought him to do a lecture and it was probably gonna be his last one because he was really failing. And he was sitting at the front of the room and he was really, um, had, had no ability to teach or speak coherently and he just sat there and, and stated the emotions that were arising. He was able to still connect to those but everything else was was kind of um, shot. So just to, you know, that's I think that's interesting. But just to have that, and we do again those practices in in workshops or retreats where you just talk to the other person and connect with what's arising, and that's really difficult for people. It's really difficult to just stay with right now. Oh, embarrassment, you know, fear. Whatever's arising, just kind of nothing. <laughs> so, it's, so, it's, so to practice that, so you can be aware, so that when these these really strong emotions arise, you've got a foundation, you've got some tools to help you work with them, so they're not just driving you willy nilly here, there, and everywhere. You're not reacting from them. You're you're seeing what's there, and you're holding them with wisdom. R the practice of rain is really helpful with this. Recognize, accept, um, investigate, discern, and don't take any of this stuff personally. This, this stuff's just arising. Um, this is where that, you know, perception, distortion of perception comes in, too. So it's just to see, oh, this anger's driving me. 
know, these things are driving me. Um, but instead you want to um, develop this uh, non-reactive awareness. So by that I mean, and, and you've heard this before, instead of saying, I am angry, saying anger is present. So you, you separate yourself from it. You don't take it on and become, you don't take birth as anger. You don't take birth as the angry person. You are a person for whom anger is present. And so you have a little bit more control in how you deal with it. It's, again, this stuff takes work because we are so used to reactivity and you know, just going with our conditioned responses to things. Um, I read a thing by Carol Wilson where she she's another teacher and she talks about um, even with something, if you have a, a backache or I had um, you know, a sore tooth from all that work the other day, it, she says, in fact, you don't even, if you say, my back hurts, is that what it is? My back hurts, you become, you take, you take birth as that person with a back ache instead of, it's funny because I can be clear with that, instead, I, instead of saying my back hurts, say there is pain, you go into the passive voice. You know, saying this is present. So you, you, again, you don't take perfect that person. And when you do that, if you, you know, then meditate on the, use the pain as the object of your awareness, it starts shifting. You know, a lot of times people with chronic pain, they use that as their focus because it's so distracting they can't stay on the breath of the body. And they use that and it's not this monolith that just lives in your shoulder. But there's a throbbing, or a this, or a that, and it's an a sharpness, or a dullness, or an intensity, or and you begin to see how it's not this monolithic thing. Where if you say I have this, it's this thing that you've now put into a box, and you want to be much more fluid and much more malleable because that's how that's how life goes. That's how the body is. There's you know they talk about all the elements in the body: air, wind, fire. Earth, and so there's this flow to our whole experience. And now we know there's atoms and molecules and all these other things that are just, just whirling electrons. Mm -hmm. So there's no solidity or rigidity. That's when you suffer, when you get into this solidity and this rigidity. So you want to be in this um, fluidity with your, with your feelings and your mind states, recognizing them, recognizing the ramifications but really developing a different relationship to them. It's really helpful. Any, any, any thingies on this? Thingies. <laughs> you know? And um, Thich Nhat Hanh says, live in the body full of awareness. So the, um, yeah, be in the middle of your experience. So just, just like, I, like the instruction I said at the beginning of meditation, receive the experience. Just receive what's present. Be in the middle of it. Be in this body full of awareness. As you walk about, you know, here, there, and everywhere, just kind of being aware of what's coming, what's going, what, what seeds of consciousness that have been planted through your life are now sprouting because of the causes and conditions that are present right now. What's arising because of that? And, and 
all with full um, kindness and acceptance because it's it's here. Any saying no to it is aversion. You start heading into aversion. You start denying the reality of what's present. You work with it using skillful means, but you don't say no to it because here it is. And so, and then the last one is, um, the last one is um, the Dhammas, awareness of the Dhammas. And in, these are these groups of things, there's the five aggregates, the six senses, the seven, um, the five hindrances, the seven factors of awakening, and the four noble truths. Which just basically encompasses everything, and it's and it's and it's kind of bringing all the other three foundations together, and it brings in reflection and recollection, and it makes sense of what's going on. So you see, if you're if you're in the hindrance, it's like oh, I'm caught in aversion, I'm I'm pushing this away. So you have a a bigger picture instead of just kind of like oh, there's anger here. It's like oh, I see there's anger. This is what's coming up. It, there's a bigger picture that you can land in and, and kind of. So that's how you eventually, at some point, walk through the world with this awareness of, of, of what's happening here and there. Um, it's really important. We, we focus a lot on the hindrances, the aversion and the craving and the, 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 the dullness, you know, the sloth and torpor, which is oftentimes considered sleepiness, but it's also just dullness. It's also living in a world of... of um, not paying attention. We are, we are, we are, uh, the United States is very, very dull. It's just kind of, there's, there's not a lot of sharpness or clarity. There's a lot of people checking out in many ways. So that's part, that's a hindrance. And then the other side of that one is um, restlessness and worry. You know, that agitation is like that fear-based worry, 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 what, 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 what. And, and then doubt that, you know, this stuff, what, this is nonsense, this dharma is load of crap. Why am I even in this cold room with these heaters that don't work and stuff like that? So, you know, that's, that, that, is, um, that is what we kind of pay attention to because that, the hindrances are what we struggle with mightily. And it's also really important to be aware of the factors of awakening, which is under mindfulness is the foundation of the factors of awakening. There, there's mindfulness, there's investigation, there's, there's energy, bringing energy to this practice, and then there's joy, and there's tranquility, and there's equanimity. You know, so there's this, this real place of, of, of working to get to this place of, calm and equanimity in spite of, you know, this ability to be with the, the eight worldly winds, whatever's coming down the pipe, we're good at. So to recognize those, it's really important to have that balance. It's, it's looking at the whole process, it's, it's a little bit more sophisticated. You know, we look at the process of clinging and the process of being caught up and the process of aversion, you know, how that shows up for each of us. That's kind of what this 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 fourth uh, foundation is, and then the four noble truths that are in here, which is like the whole the whole ball of wax. I love how Buddhism is just like a whole bunch of interlocking pieces. 
you know, and one thing leads you to the next thing and then it leads you around, but you can get to it. How many Dharma doors are there? 80,000, 100,000? A bunch, you know? It's like the Winchester Mystery House. The woman, you know the Winchester Mystery House in San Jose? She was afraid that as soon as she finished building her house, she would die, so she kept building, like, staircases that were nowhere, <laughs> doors that didn't lead anywhere, and she died eventually, but this house is quite a thing. I've never been there, but I've heard about it. So, you know, it's like one of those things. They just kind of go all over the place, but they all lead to this place of, you know, letting go of, of clinging and holding on, which is the Four Noble Truths, and um, walking the Eightfold Path. So, um, I don't know, let me see what this quote is. It says, the first step to developing self-awareness is, oh, the first step to developing accurate self-awareness is honest, honest acknowledgement of the existence of hidden emotions, motives, and tendencies in the mind without immediately suppressing them. It's that willingness to acknowledge what's there, what's underneath, the deep-seated stuff that we've carried, the deep-seated distortions of perception that we have built up over our lives. And, you know, there's not just our personal ones, but there's the cultural ones, there's the systemic ones. I mean, we have to look at all of those, how we're caught up in our own experiences and our own growing up, and then we're caught up in the cultural experiences and the all the biases that run rampant in our world. That's just as important as the personal ones, but we have to continue to pay attention, continue to wash that dust out of our eyes. It's just, you know, it's, it's really, um, I can't stress it enough. It's this paying attention. Paying attention is, is, is uber important. So um, those are my, really, really abbreviated, um, a really abbreviated reflection on the four foundations. And I'd love to hear questions or comments or thoughts or anything anybody has about any of this.